calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Hey, everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! 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 Well, we 
are back again for another week of geeky goodness here on the Geek Buddies. Excited to talk about all the stuff we're getting into. We've got trailer parks. We've got Bedrock and Flintstones. We've got ourselves some ink card things. And we're going to get into Mortal Kombat in our uh, in our main topic here and talk about our overall feelings about that movie, where the future of that franchise franchise may be going. Woo! I can't wait to get into it. I'm one of your hosts. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, joined as always by these two gentlemen to my left or right, depending on how you're looking at it, if you're upside down or straight up. There in the middle, it is... Uh, Michael Vogel, uh, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and not nearly as excited as John Roca is right now about everything. Yeah, I just got off a treadmill. And uh, Shannon McClung, how are you? Yeah, this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Silicon Valley, and Modern Family, and I'm working on amping that excitement up to that Roca level of 11 right now. <laughs> well, thank you. So much. So we're going to get into some things as we say, as uh, for those of you who are new, uh, thank you so much for taking a chance on the Geek Buddies. Thanks for downloading us. Maybe you're listening to us on the podcast feed or you're watching us on YouTube. For those of you who watch us only on YouTube, we are available on our separate podcast feed. Wherever you download, oh, sorry, wherever you download podcasts, look for the Geek Buddies and you'll find us. So sometimes you want to see our pretty faces. Sometimes you want to take us along on the treadmill or whatever you're doing in life. You just want to hear our voices, the timber of our voices in here. You can do that with the podcast stream there. So make sure you subscribe to both here on the channel and on the podcast stream as well. And for those who have uh, returned every week to hang out with us, thank you so much for staying on the train. And we keep building and building and building. We appreciate it madly. Hope you enjoyed our Falcon and Winter Soldier finale review that happened over the weekend live with Mike Kalinowski. A lot of very, very interesting comments already in uh, in the uh, comment section. But Michael and Shannon, I'd say pretty much overall good comments of how we did reviewing uh, this series overall. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, look, I want to say to everybody, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, comments on the internet is basically the worst place you can go. Uh, <laughs> it, comment, comment threads on any website kind of degrade quickly into the most horrible parts of humanity. And so I just want to give all you guys huge props because uh, as Johnny said, we do. We love to check out the comments. We love to check out what you guys think. And you guys are actually all pretty decent human beings. So thank you for being decent human beings. <laughs> yeah, 99% are, are kind of like, okay, we don't see eye to eye and that's okay. There's that 1% that's like, hey, F you. <laughs> and, it's, and to me at least, I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of more entertaining. <laughs> anything that's not an invitation to do it more of course of course of course i i, I think it is so everybody in the comments this week please come for shannon Why? come for shannon yes All come right. for shannon and stay and stay a while it's always good to stay a while uh but uh you know if you are new or you're coming back you know how this thing works uh we each present a geek news item talk about it then we get into our main topic so uh am i starting first i guess i'm starting first yes you, you are first all right. Do you, well, we have... Do you want to take a breath? Do you want to take no, a breath? I'm good. I'm going to breathe while you guys talk later on. Listen, uh, we got, we're going to start with trailer. We usually we do trailer park at the end of our first segment, but we really wanted to do trailer park at the beginning of this uh, first section of the show. Right off the bat, three trailers dropped uh, over the last 24 hours, uh, 40, 24 to 48 hours uh, here in the world of entertainment. Let's start with the most recent one. That would be the new trailer for Luca. Uh, Michael Vogel, you're the animation king. I go to you first on this. The last trailer pretty much gave us an idea of what we were going to get. We got a bit more this time around. What did you think about this next official trailer for Pixar's Luca? 
Uh, you know what? I I was really excited by it. So yeah, as you said, we we got the teaser trailer for Luca. We now have the full trailer for Luca. Uh, we do know that Luca is premiering in June on Disney Plus, not in theaters, which yeah. I'm still a little bit surprised by. I mean, you know, theaters are coming back, so I'm yeah. kind of surprised that they chose to go that route. But I'm always excited to watch a Pixar movie on my couch. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing nothing uh, hugely new about this. We know that we have two human. Uh, we have two male characters who are. Sea creatures who come up on land to explore uh, the the uh, dry world uh, mm-hmm. and meet a young girl who seems like kind of an outcast character. They go on some misadventures, and everybody in this small Italian village seems to really violently like to uh, to eat fish. <laughs> it's kind of like in keeping with the uh, Chef Louis from Little Mermaid vein. They don't just like seafood; they vehemently <laughs> like seafood. Uh, but yeah, so super cute. I actually really love the animation style. I was just talking to uh, the animation director on one of the shows that I'm working on right now, and he was saying, you know, it, it definitely has this weird kind of blend of, it's a super simple cartoony style mm. compared to like Soul or some of the other things they've done. This definitely has uh, really stylized character designs, very cartoony, very round, and yet the detail in it is so beautiful and gorgeous. It doesn't seem like it's a uh, lesser animated Pixar movie. It just has a really, really pushed style uh, different from some of the stuff they've done more recently. So I'm really mm. excited to check it out. Uh, looks to be really funny. Not really sure still what the emotional story is, you know, when you go to see a Pixar movie, whether it be Onward or Soul or Toy Story 3 or any, you know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, that a Pixar movie is designed at some point to just punch you really, really hard right in the feels. Mm. And I'm not quite sure where Luca's going to do that yet, but I have a feeling it's just hiding somewhere waiting to like jump out at us when we watch this movie. Yeah, fair point. Uh, Shannon, we get so much more of the look of them as the sea Creatures, sea monsters, whatever term you want to do. Sea species, I guess, to be fair to say, so we don't want to put any kind of negative connotations on that. They come on Earth. There's more that they, there's certainly more with them than there is with the girl in this trailer. We got more with them, got more of the animation style as Michael is talking about, got a little bit more of their interactions with the entire town. Certainly the European vibe comes through, the cinematography, the overall look of the sets that they have that they've drawn is just stellar. What did you think overall when you were watching this version? I think that cat is probably going to be the MVP <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> I mean, we saw, it, fish. we saw it in the teaser trailer, how it sort of crept over, you know, the giant uh, mustachioed uh, cook. Um, and then we got one more shot of it as as Luca. And I, I think it's his brother. I think it's his older brother as Seems they've like, kind yeah. of like a, they, they've kind of fished out a little bit. Um Look, I mean, I think I I was on board from the trailer. I do agree with Vogel that that emotional story doesn't it's not uh, on display yet, at least. I mean, right now it has it has Little Mermaid vibes. I mean, it's like, hey, I want to see what I want to see what this other I want to see what this other world is about. Um, I think what's really going to sell it is the very unique animation style, which I'm kind of back and forth on it. I'm like, I don't know if I'd like this yet. Um, Oh, really? The comedy is really what I think is going to... I mean, just the fact that they both get accosted by two older women after they say, silencio, uh, stupido. <laughs> I mean, that that was brilliantly funny. Um, I, I hope that... like I love watching stuff at home. I love watching stuff on Disney+. Plus. I hope 
that um, not having it on the big screen won't take away from the experience because um, even though like I'm not sold on the character design, um, mm -hmm. it looks like a gorgeous movie, and I think it would have been even more gorgeous, if, you know, if it was on up on the big screen. <clears throat> yeah, it's got a damn good cast too: Jacob Tremblay, Jack Dylan, Grazer, Maya Rudolph, Jim Gaffigan, Emma Berman, Marco Baricelli. Um, uh, overall, here, good, good cast, and uh, 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 Casarosa, who is uh, the uh, Enrico Casarosa, just as his feature, the, uh, his uh, feature directorial debut. He said in an interview with IndieWire, Luca was about my best friend Alberto. I was very shy and timid and sheltered by my family, and I met Alberto, who was very free. His family wasn't around a whole lot, and he was able to chase around and get into trouble. So certainly inspired by that. So you imagine the overall story seems to be about being an outsider, being accepted by other people for the weird quirks that you are, and that is okay because no one's really normal. So hopefully so that's... So it's Luca's best friend, not his brother. You know what? That's that's well, that's, that's point one. You can come at me on the comments. For. <laughs> Let's get on there. That's right. Let's jump on there. But yeah, this is uh, this is coming out. What again, Michael? July twelfth, June eighteenth. Sorry, June eighteenth. So right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, get ready for that one. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next trailer. This is more of a quicker trailer. It's a fifty-second or a thirty-second teaser trailer we got for Tomorrow War. Shannon, I go to you first on this one. Ah, Amazon Prime. They spent two hundred million dollars. Amazon did to distribute this one. Paramount Pictures was going to distribute it originally. I was going to do a trailer reaction. I actually shot a trailer reaction, not knowing how long the trailer was going to be. Then when it was 30 seconds, I quickly scrapped that idea and uh, went about the rest of my day doing other things. But yeah, this one, uh, Chris Chris Pratt starring this one, Yvonne Strahovski, J.K. Simmons. Basically, this is, according to the trailer, 30 years in the future. They're fighting a battle now that is 30 years in the future, and it's aliens versus human beings. Nobody talks but a female voiceover in the whole 30-second trailer. Did you get anything out of this that made you excited to see this film? Uh, I mean, uh, anytime you have a big sci-fi alien invasion epic battle movie, I think that's, that's going to get butts in seats or in this, uh, in this situation clicks. Um, yeah. you're, you're definitely okay. going to have people watching this. Um, in terms of the, the, the story, what I'm kind of gathering is the, the battle in the future isn't going well, so they're going back in the past to, to grab people because mm. it sounds like they're losing. Um, it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, I think, is great. Yeah. Um, I, I am less sold on him as Owen Grady in the Jurassic World franchise, but ha that doesn't have as much to do with him, more just those movies. I, I, I don't think they're that great. Um, he, he has not had a big movie outside of those two franchises, I don't believe, though. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see how this one is received. I mean, he's one of those people that, you know, Hollywood really wanted to make him a star. And for all intents yeah. and purposes, he is because he's got Guardians, because he's got Jurassic. But when you don't have the backing of that franchise, his record is a little spottier. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this one actually turns out. Yeah, what'd you think, Mike? 30, 30 seconds, did, did it give you a taste of anything that you'd be excited about? Do you remember... Oh no, the, where are we going with this? Okay. <laughs> do you remember the South Park episode where they were making fun of Family Guy and the writing for Family Guy where they just had the whales that just would pick balls to like put together the jokes? It was like, let's do a joke about uh, the Muppets in yeah. Italy with whatever. And like that's how South Park said the Family Guy writers put together jokes. <laughs> that, I feel like this trailer, this is like a, let's make a big budget movie yeah it can have chris pratt <laughs> and aliens 
and time travel. Okay. Shake well. Enjoy. Like, it just seemed like such a... Like, there was not... For a 30-second trailer that's not going to show you a lot, they were like, here's some stuff, and you were like, eh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> it didn't it's seem like, overdone, though, Mike? Like, the... the, the oh, was this well, I think overdone? That's, well, I think that's part of it, though. It's like, okay. it, it, it's like the equivalent of Disney going, get ready for our big animated feature. There's a princess and a cute animal... And they sing. Ah! Like, you're like, okay, like, I don't know anything that this is. And so, yeah, like, I'm, I'm with Shannon a little bit. Like, I, I have no issue with Chris Pratt. I, I know half of Twitter does. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any huge issue with him. I think he is good as Star-Lord. Uh, I, I don't like the Jurassic World movies. But, like, even him being in this, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, Amazon. Like, give, give me something. Give me something yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, all right, fair enough. It's from Chris McKay, who uh, I think this is his live-action directorial debut because he is he's directed on Moral Oral, Titan Maximum, Robot Chicken, uh, Lego Batman movie he directed. He's doing the Lego Batman movie, too. It's scheduled to come out next year. He's also working on Nightwing and Johnny Quest. So you hope this uh, turns out well uh, <laughs> for them overall. And this is coming around the corner as well on July 2nd. Uh, for everybody asking, yes, go ahead. Yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure the sun has set on his Nightwing movie. <laughs> well, it's still on IMDb, so I, I have to kind of go with it for right now. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, let's move on to the trailer that I most want to talk about because I was very surprised. I did a trailer reaction on the Outlaw Nation for this one, and that is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. I there is no person who wanted this movie less than John Steven Roca and The Outlaw. And I was so surprised at how much I enjoyed this minute and a half trailer. The cinema, the look of it, the vibrancy of it, all of it, I did not expect to enjoy this because I wanted a Latino director. I know some people might dig me for that in the chat, but I wanted a Latino director. We've seen it from the white point of view, the Jets and Sharks, the 1961 original, which won, I think, 10 Oscars. We've seen it from that point of view, so I wanted a Latin point of view. But we do get Rita Moreno as an executive producer on this one. But overall, Ansel Elgort uh, uh, and Rachel – oh, sorry, Rachel Zegler, I think her name is. Rachel Zegler, I really enjoyed this one. Michael, I cede the floor to you, my friend. What did you think when you watched this trailer? I think that we need to just have a new Geek Buddies rule that we it's just a given that you're going to be grumpy about musicals until you see trailers. <laughs> because I, I, when I love them, I love them, so I get but, worried. Or, or not. Like, you were like, yeah, as true. we talked about, like, it, I had to literally drag you kicking and screaming to go see Rent. Truth. You you were not into In the Heights, but then the, when the trailer came out, and then you were like, "Holy shit, In the Heights is great!" Yes. And now here you were like, you were like, "I don't know about this West Side Story. I don't need it." And literally, when I watched the trailer when it came on during the Oscars, I watched it and I was like, "Oh dear God, I hope Roka likes this because I don't want to get in a fight. I don't want to fight it, this this trailer." I got. In, while watching the uh, the three plus hours off of Oscars, where I got very little emotion because it was pretty dry, Oof, uh, yeah. this commercial gave me all of the emotion. I just flipped out. And look, I love. It's a weird thing because I love the original West Side Story mm -hmm. so much. Uh, and watching this trailer, it usually when you see the new version of something, what should excite you about it is that it feels totally different. Yeah, but. In point of fact, what I loved about this trailer is it felt like a modern day version of 
the original. And so I'll be mm. curious to see what new elements come to it because it pretty much, I mean, it looks like West Side Story. It just looks yeah. like a, a West Side Story that could be made today in ways that they couldn't make it then. And look, I think uh, the director aside, which I know that that's something that you have felt, uh, you know, yeah. I think that I think that just seeing a cast of... Uh, of Latino actors who are actually playing Latin characters is yeah. nice. You know what I mean? I think that, like, as opposed to the original. But, like, I think that um, I, I, I was super all about it. Like, I can't wait to see it. And it was really funny because, like, it was followed up by, I know you've already seen it, but the trailer for In the Heights, almost like mm. I think the commercial break after. And the one-two punch of being able to see West Side Story and In the Heights this year, I could not be more excited. That's you fair. think I, you think I'm gonna geek out about uh, all the Marvel and Star Wars stuff we've got? Just wait till I go see those two movies. <laughs> is there a name for a gay nerd or a gay geek? Like black nerd is blurred. Is there a gay uh, connotation or gay term for that at all? Like a gerd? Is that does that count? No. Okay, I guess not. Uh, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out I, there because I, I mean gay geeks. Nerds. There's there's gamers, okay. gamers, gay oh. guys who play video games are gamers. So that's a that's like a that. that's a big like one. That. But yeah, like gay geeks. I, like I feel like we, there's plenty of you guys watching. What do we call ourselves? I'm a gay geek. Do you guys yeah. have a different name? Put it in I the like comments. It. I like it. Put it in the comments. Let's find out. Shannon, what'd you think of this one? Uh, you, you've taken a part in a few uh, uh, musicals in your lifetime. Did you like the vibe of this? Did you like the feel? I think Michael makes an excellent point. They, it feels separate from the original, but still, you see Maria in the white dress with the red sash. You see the shot from below, the classic Romeo and Juliet shot. Uh, that they used in the 1961 original. So, do you did you get did you get enough of it to feel like it connects to that original, but enough of it to feel like it's its own point of, has its own point of view? Uh, you know, not only have I been in a few musicals, I've been in West Side Story. No. So, <laughs> so the, were you Bernardo? Please tell were me. <laughs> please tell me you were a shark and not a jet. Yeah, please. Or no, a jet, not a, a jet, shark. Not a shark. <laughs> a yeah. jet, not a shark. I was a jet. I was the leader of the jets. I was Riff. What? <laughs> so the funny thing about this production, oh, which I, I will make this quick, is uh, it was a summer production, so you didn't have as many drama students. So our director, our teacher, had to go out to the uh, the student populace <laughs> at large to kind of fill out the gangs. And Riff and Bernardo, the two leaders, we were the smallest guys by about six inches. So you've got these two singing idiots with these giant football players behind them. It was a magical production. It was now. Magical. I feel like we have to shoot a scene as Riff and Bernardo. I feel like we have. To. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> um. Why? You know, I watched the trailer because I believe it came out in the morning. I watched the trailer on my phone at first, just because I was in bed. And I kind of had to squint. I'm like, this looks like the old movie. I mean, this this mm. has a very similar this has a very similar aesthetic. And, and like, yeah. I get that you're not going to do anything radically different, but the fact that I couldn't tell the difference at first when I watched it again on my, on my t uh, television later, I want to say the main difference um, is that the Jets and the Sharks from the brief glimpses that we get look like kids which is mm -hmm. what they're supposed to be i mean right. they're supposed to be late teens late teens some of them like anybody i believe is younger um and i think that's going to be i think that's going to be the main difference um <laughs> but in terms of uh uh i mean already like you can see just kind of the eye of steven spielberg uh uh, uh like the, the the two shots of the gang you know the gangs walking together i thought it looked i thought it looked beautiful this was not yeah. a this was not a movie that i had any uh, any excitement about it. it was just sort of like ah it's really it's a new not really I mean I'm like I, I've seen I've seen the original version it's mm -hmm. pretty good I I don't know what else you can do differently to it okay. um other than just having modern day folks but just having having that 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 young look 
to the cast members, I think might be all the difference. Yeah, and I think that was the point I was making when I first heard about this was that like, how are you going to improve on a film that won ten Oscars? We saw them, we saw them try to do that with Ben Hur, and it was an absolute debacle. That ridiculous film with uh, was it Richard Houston? <laughs> is that his name? Jack uh, Houston. Jack Houston. Sorry, Jack Houston. <laughs> Toby Kebbell. It was horrific, and they threw in Morgan Freeman could be like, hey, let's let's go get the same guy who did the same part in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I just <laughs> thought it was just ridiculous. So, but this reawoken my belief that it could be a good movie, uh, or sorry, reawoken my desire for it to be a good movie. So I'm looking forward to it. Michael, uh, Jan makes an excellent point. They look young. It's always been the complaint about the Romeo and Juliet Shakespeare adaptations is they never really look as young as these characters are supposed to be. This certainly feels like they're doing that. Yeah. I think that's why so many people, uh, all of us included, because we were at the Mm -hmm. right age, uh, love Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet so much because Leo and, uh, and Claire Danes in that movie are young. Yes, and, and I think that there is something about seeing characters who actually are that age uh, dealing with this level of stuff, dealing with the violence, dealing with the heartache, dealing with everything mm-hmm. they deal with, that does make it more affecting. It worked, and granted, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet was very different from any other production of Romeo and Juliet for a lot of reasons, Right, but I think that that's part of it, and I think that... You know, one of the things we're not seeing about this trailer is how far they're going to go, you know, Mm -hmm. like into the violence, into the actual fighting, into what actually goes down. Because I do think that uh, if they go in that direction, if Spielberg kind of does let some of the moments that are real be more real as opposed Mm -hmm. to the more musical realness of a fight. Right. uh, And and we get that like that. It could be more visceral because I think seeing people who are younger and there's always something interesting about taking like a musical format where you are in a heightened world where you're going to break into song and have this amazing choreography in the streets that then goes real and gets really violent and gets really heartfelt and gets really emotional. Like that, they could do that more today than maybe they could in the original. And that might be a point of difference that would be really interesting to see. Yep, and that's coming out December 10th. Cast includes, as I said, Ansel Elgort. Certainly some issues off camera with Ansel Elgort. We'll see how they navigate that over the next few months, as we mentioned, Rachel Zegler. But Ariana DeBose playing Anita. David Alvarez is Bernardo. Rita Moreno uh, coming back into this into this uh, world again. She will play v- Valentina. She's going to own the corner shop. Remember in the original, that's the old guy who who is uh, Tony, who's employed by Tony. Valentina is, I'm sorry, that Tony works for, Valentina is going to play that shop owner. So that'll be an interesting change considering what happens in that shop to Anita to see Valentina see that uh, outsider shop to Anita. I wonder if they stage that scene that way as well. Brian Darcy James is Officer Krupke and Corey Stoll as Lieutenant Shrank. So that's nice to see him. Also, Maddie Ziegler and Paloma Garcia Lee being a part of this cast as well. And Josh Andres Rivera as Chino. So there you go. And that comes out December 10th. I already saw in the Heights. So hopefully, as a Latin critic, I'll get a chance to see this uh, at some point earlier than December 10th because I'm excited to see this thing now. <laughs> I can't believe it. No one is more in disbelief than me, to be honest. I'm just, I'm just relieved. <laughs> I'm relieved. I was like... I was already. I was. I was like, "Oh God, I like this trailer. Oh, please, please, God, let Roka like it." Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, that's it for me on Trailer Park. Where are we going next? Who's next? Uh, I think next we are going to a city that many of us know called Bedrock. 
Uh, so, brand new news. Uh, gonna find out if this is a yabba dabba do or a yabba dabba don't. Time will tell. <laughs> but uh, it's been announced that Fox Entertainment, Warner Brothers Animation, and Elizabeth Banks uh, production company, Brownstone Productions, have all joined forces to develop Bedrock, a primetime animated adult comedy series that will continue the saga of the first family of animation, The Flintstones. Um, so we don't know a whole lot about it, but what we do know is that uh, the show is going to catch up with the family 20 years after the original, and it's going to follow uh, a now adult Pebbles, who will be voiced by Elizabeth Banks, uh, oh. starting her own career, and what life is like. Now, what the only the, the part of this I find interesting is they're making a distinction that we are leaving the Stone Age, and now that Pebbles is a modern woman going out on her own, we are going into the Bronze Age. <laughs> and even with the image that they've released for Bedrock, you sort of see... Uh, the classic sort of Flintstones cave houses in the foreground and in the shadows of the background you see a giant skyscraper city uh, that still is Stone Age. It has like some dinosaurs and stuff, but it definitely is much more modern than what the Flintstones uh, had when we were growing up. So it definitely does seem like the show is going to be dealing with sort of the generational shift of the older uh, Stone Age cavemen versus the new Bronze Age cavemen, um, which is kind of interesting. So that's all we really know about it. Um, Presumably, they don't know, they haven't said for sure, but presumably it'll be part of Fox kind of Sunday night animation domination. Uh, You know, Fox kind of came out and said that the Flintstones was the first animated family that long before we had the Simpsons or, uh, you know, Bob's Burgers or Family Guy or anyone else, uh, we had the Flintstones. So there was also a few years back, Seth MacFarlane had a reboot of the Flintstones that he had been developing that never made it to to production. Um, And if you have ever seen, if anyone has ever seen the script, I saw the script, uh, Mm -hmm. you kind of see why. It was weird. It was like the Flintstones meets Family Guy in kind of a weird, uncomfortable way. Mm. Weird, weird jokes about uh, vibrators and such that what? made me oh, question question a lot of things. He's like, you open the drawer and it's like, it's a living, and you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully this will not be that. But uh, what do you guys think? Is it is it worth it to go back to Bedrock? Are you intrigued by this idea? Are you into the Flintstones, or uh, should we leave them uh, as a piece of animation archaeology? Um, I think it depends on the approach, uh, because you can watch the old Flintstones now. They're still very funny. Um, Putting it primetime on Fox, I don't know. The Flintstones, there was a a wholesomeness there. Mm -hmm. And my feeling is that to make it more, at least from from a network executive point of view, to make it more um, appetizing to a modern audience is that they're going to have to uh, kind of push the envelope a little bit, uh, perhaps in terms of the jokes. And that's the thing that I'm kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't want to see the Flintstones vibrator joke. I mean, I, would I love to see a grown-up Pebbles with, with old Fred and Wilma and old Barney? Like, yeah, I think that's actually, I think that's actually kind of a fun idea. Um, Elizabeth Banks' creative instincts, um, I have not been a big fan of her directing thus far. I mean, I was... Uh, uh, the most recent example being Charlie's Angels. Um, so I'll be curious to see what the show actually is. The fact that they're saying it's out of the Stone Age and in the Bronze Age, I don't know what that means other than kind of modernizing the stone, you know, the the the, the setting. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of it will just depend on the nature of those jokes. Uh, because I like a good dirty joke. I don't necessarily want a, a dirty bedrock joke. 
Okay. So <laughs> I don't want to say anything too negative, but here's here's my point of view. And I might get in trouble for this, and so be it. Sorry, I'm going to knock everything over. Here's the deal. I don't want to see... I, listen, I like this idea. I think it's actually a brilliant idea. Pebbles, it makes sense. Women are becoming a, a much more, or are actually, a more powerful force in the world all over the place. Certainly in media, certainly at the box office, certainly all over the world. It is happening in our politics and what have you. So it t- makes sense. A lot of franchises are turning towards female leads. This is all great. That being said, her Charlie's Angels reboot felt like a dud at the at the box office. So is she really the right person to reboot an old franchise like the Flintstones? I don't know. We shall see. But overall, I like the idea. I like the approach. This makes sense. It, it would appeal to, to women in their 20s, appeal to young girls and teenagers who are coming into their own. What's it like out there in the world? There's probably a wealth of funny jokes you can make. Uh, here in this situation so i'm excited by that that's my that's my feeling on it all right i uh yeah look i think that um i i don't have an issue with elizabeth banks voicing it i mean i i have let me put it this way i have less of an issue with her voicing an animated character than i would if she was going to play a 20 year old on screen on a live action film which would be (laughs) a little weird uh and to shannon's point you know i do think that there is a difference like look i as i said i did read that other version of the flintstone script and i do (laughs) think there was like it was a little cringy in some ways I don't think adult jokes are necessarily off the limits in a show like Flintstones or yeah. saying it saying a different way. I think you can have adult jokes and still be wholesome. Nice. I think the extreme example of this, it would be Big Mouth on Netflix, which is both the most adult animated show I've ever seen and one of the most wholesome animated shows I've ever seen at the same time. So I do mm. think that there's... Uh, there's room for a level of a certain type of adult humor that could still feel very much Flintstones. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, this is one of those things like you get the announcement uh, and you're like, I don't really know. And it'll just be every time we see what the character design is, what we mm-hmm. see what the show is going to look like, who's voicing the other characters, seeing the first trailer. Like it could go right in a lot of ways. It could go wrong in a lot of ways. But I, I I prefer this to just saying that they're going to reboot the Flintstones. Yeah, uh, that's yeah exactly. The approach is very very interesting for sure. Uh, all right, and any any uh, news on when that might be going into production or anything they, like this, Mike? Okay. We have we have no news aside from the announcement and that okay. it is coming soon and to Fox and whether it's going to be on Disney Plus or Hulu as well. Like you know, no no answer on that either. So more yeah. to come. Yeah. All right. Uh, Shannon, where are we going to next? Yeah. So just yesterday, Variety reported that Ironheart, the Disney Plus series based off of the Marvel comic, has found its head writer in a writer named Chinaka Hodge. So she not only wrote on TNT Snowpiercer as well as mm-hmm. Apple's Amazing Stories, uh, but she's also a poet. Like I didn't know, I didn't know anything about her. So I actually Googled it. I, I, I Googled it and I YouTubed it because I wanted to make sure that I was saying her name correctly. Um, she has been writing. Uh, she's uh, up, up these. Uh, poetic performances that she's been doing since 2016. Like I watched a few of them, um, and really, really good. I mean, uh, this this is this is a young woman. I believe she's in her 30s. Uh, I think it kind of continues Marvel's trend of uh, trying to have uh, people tell their own stories. I mean, she mm-hmm. she's a she's a young black woman telling the story of Riri Williams, who you know is an MIT student who builds her own Iron Man armor. Um, eventually gets the gets the go ahead from Tony Stark. Obviously, there's going to be a, a difference when they make the show because, as of right now, at least Tony is still dead. I'm kind of hoping we get a Tony Stark uh, uh, 
inside a Tony Stark Friday situation where maybe <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. would come back and and uh, you know be that AI for for Riri Williams. Um, but yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, she she. Is, was the story editor on uh, Amazing Stories. And for our audience that doesn't know, a story editor is not the head writer, but you're also not a writer. You're kind of the in-between. You're like the, you're like the number two writer um, mm -hmm. on, on a show. So looking at some of her poems, like it, it was really powerful stuff. So I'm really curious to see um, how, how she, how, her transition into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But gentlemen, what do we think about this announcement? Mikey? I'm just super excited about Riri Williams. I, I just, I'm super stoked about it. And to your point, look, Marvel has shown that when you bring in uh, people behind the camera uh, to tell authentic stories, like it pays off for them. Like it paid off uh, with dividends with Black Panther, uh, you know, creating a Wakanda that uh, I think only that team could have created. Uh, everything that we talked about when we were discussing the Shang-Chi trailer uh, last week, I believe, like same thing. Um, I just think that they are, and, and we've talked about this, like the very last Comic-Con, which was now like, you know, two, almost two years ago or whatever it was, where, where Kevin Feige came out and announced a lot of this uh, and, and really made a strong point that they were actively trying to uh, bring more diversity both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Yeah. And they've really put their money where their mouth is and it's really working for them. So the fact that we're gonna continue that with Miss Marvel, with Ironheart, with all of this, I think is great. Uh, you know, I, I, similar to you, don't know much about her as a writer, aside from what her credits were and the fact that she did that poetry, but I'm really excited to see where she takes it. Uh, I'm really excited also just to see what they do with Riri Williams. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how all of these things are tying together. We've talked a lot as we've been doing these reviews about the Young Avengers, mm. Uh, yeah. and where everything is going. And just like watching the direction of phase four of the Marvel Universe is going to be really interesting because for so many years with the MCU, you know, early on, basically from Avengers on, we kind of were like, okay, well, they're going Infinity Gauntlet. And they did. Right. Um, but now it's just all so wide open uh, with a whole new cast of characters and heroes coming in that it's going to be really kind of fascinating to see what, uh, what Feige's got planned. Yeah, I don't have much familiarity with Ironheart, so I'm excited to get into it and read it. I'm a huge Brian Michael Bendis fan. I know he created this character, so catching up on this is going to be a lot of fun before I get to see the series. But Vogel, you make excellent points. Not only Kugel with Black Panther, but we just did Malcolm. We just had Malcolm Spellman as a Black showrunner for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, absolutely, and, good point. Yeah, and whatever your feelings are about that series, that series kicked ass in terms of numbers, reception, and attention, and that's a positive overall, uh, in my opinion. They've got Miss Marvel coming as well, being told from I think the Pakistani American point of view. So this is essential here to throw this all into the mix and make sure it's an essential part of going forward. Marvel smart reading the tea leaves, kind of getting ahead on this and pushing forward to make it happen this is a great selection as shen already mentioned her her resume uh for doing all of this uh i'm excited about this dominic thorne's gonna star in it so and it's only a six episode miniseries so you know as as much we might ding some of the wandavision stuff some of the falcon winter social didn't quite get, get there they're pretty good forays as first forays into TV. So you can only imagine it gets better from here. So that should excite you for what we might be getting from Ironheart down, down the road when it happens. So um, shout out uh, shout out to this all happening for Shinaka, uh, Shinaka Hodge. This is a fantastic thing. And hearing her point of view on it, it's going to be fascinating as well. I should catch up on her amazing story stuff and read her poetry to find out even more about her as I'm doing the Ironheart uh, catch up as well. So yeah, all of it yeah. sounds great. I love it. No release date as of yet, but the strong thinking is probably late 2022, early 2023.
Oh my god. This is going to be so much fun the next 10 years. I swear to God. I hope I live through it all. Uh, all right. Let's we're, all, we're all going to be, we're all going to be old in our houses in Palm Springs. Just like getting in our, getting our little walkers and walking over to each other's houses to watch whatever phase 18 of the MCU is like, I can't wait. I'm in the old buddies, the old buddies, <laughs> no, the old buddies. Huh? <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with our main topic in just a second. Fight! Combat! (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mike and Shannon, Mortal Kombat dropped last week on Friday on on HBO Max. It's out in theaters now, doing well at the box office. Uh, already uh, rumblings uh, for a sequel. Certainly they teased a possible sequel. We might get into some spoiler territory here for some of you, so if you have not watched Mortal Kombat yet, maybe just pause here, go and watch it, and come back and join us. Just saying that before we start uh, getting too deep. Or don't. Or don't. Well, right. All right, fair enough. Or don't watch it and just enjoy our spoiler review here uh i've dropped one for the outlaw nation channel as well solo but i'm excited to talk about these two and uh, talk about it with these two gentlemen uh michael let's start with you what did you overall think of mortal Kombat? have you played the video games are you a fan of this universe and did you watch the 1995 original as a little bit of a comparison i i am a fan of the games not okay. always the best i'm a button smasher kind of guy let's just see what happens <laughs> But uh, but I'm but I'm very engaged when I do it, and I get sweaty. So you know I'm you know I'm into it when I'm playing. Um, I did see the 1995 movie. I love the 1990 like it's cheesy 90s ridiculousness. But to Shannon's uh, excellent portrayal and the little break there, uh, that movie started. That Mortal Kombat song came on, and I think I just threw my popcorn in the air and was like, "Let's just go." And it's like it's cheesy good fun. Yes. Uh, so I, I definitely enjoy Mortal Kombat as a brand, let's say. I think it's good. Um, as far as this movie goes, <laughs> I, I think there are bad movies. And I think okay. there are really, and I think there are really bad movies. And then I think that there's Mortal Kombat. Oh, wow. It, it oh. was, it was not great. It was okay. not great. And I will just say, before we dive into anything else, because I've seen this a lot on Twitter. Like, if you liked Mortal Kombat, if you had a blast, I am thrilled. I had a blast watching it. I was laughing the entire time. Mostly at the movie, but I was really... I had a good time in the theater. Um, but, like, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter who get mad when anyone is critiquing it, saying, well, what did you expect? It's a video game movie. No! And I, th- mm. and, and I think, I just want to say right off the bat... Uh, look, for years people said, what did you expect? It's an animated movie. And Pixar and Disney have proven that they can elevate that genre. And for years people said, what do you expect? It's a superhero or a comic book movie. And as we have discussed ad nauseum, uh, you know, with Marvel and even DC and with Snyder and the reception that his fans have to the Snyder movies, like they've all tried to elevate what a superhero movie is to the point that that is the big, like those are our major movies that we make now. Um, And so I think when it comes to video games, I think that you can take something as ridiculous as Mortal Kombat or anything else and make a really, really engaging movie that is awesome and interesting and is more than just awesome fight scenes and tells a great story. And I think that that did not happen here. Okay. Shannon, you're the game. You're the video. I think of the three of us, you've played the most video games, probably. Uh, thoughts overall on this? Were you, are you a Mortal Kombat fan? 
did you like this translation and this version of the Mortal Kombat universe on the big screen? So I was never a big Mortal Kombat guy. Like I, okay. I, I started to get more into Mortal Kombat when they started crossing over with the DC universe. Like when they had that Mortal Kombat versus DC game, oh, I yeah. loved that game. And that kind of led off into Injustice, if the Injustice 1 and 2. Um, so my my let me start off by saying there are some really good performances in what some folks would say, like, oh, it's just a video game movie. I mean, uh, Josh uh, Lawson as Kano yeah. steals the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Taslam, Sub-Zero, awesome. Hiro, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, Scorpion, awesome. Um, I thought the world building was really cool. I thought the production design was amazing. Like, there was a lot of care in crafting this movie. But then to me, they run into three very big issues. Um, one, I don't think Louis Tan and uh, who, who played Sonya Blade, Jessica McNamee. Yeah, uh, Jessica I, McNamee. I, I thought those were two, the, the two weakest performances by far and okay. lewis tan is your lead as well also to the character he plays named cole young when mm-hmm. you have this rich mythology when you have this deep bench of characters why create somebody now if you've seen the movie you know his connection to the universe right right but to me that was a dumb connection i was like it's usually Liu kang like why isn't this why isn't this Liu kang like just make it Liu kang and then the my last real big issue with the movie. Can we spoil? Are we going to spoil? Yeah, we can spoil. We warned them that we were going to spoil. Go ahead. How can you have a movie called Mortal Kombat and they don't get to Mortal Kombat? Thousand that agree. was the most, like, we got to, we got close to, like, the third act. And I'm like, they're not at the tournament yet. Like, they, <laughs> they, have, they have to go there. That's. That's the game. Like, uh, like on, on HBO Max, they have um, uh, some some behind the scenes have little like three minute clips, and the uh, the screenwriter Greg Russo and Simon McCoy, the director, talk about this reverence for the fans. Like, you know, we really wanted to give the fans what they want. We want to give the fans what they want. I'm like, the fans want to see the tournaments. Yeah, like, yeah. that was just the biggest like the biggest hiccup. Like, why why would you not like if you really like love this game? Like, if you grew up with it the way you said you did. How does this not seem like the most egregious of errors? Like, I get it. You want to save something for the sequel, but there's no guarantees that you're going to get a sequel. Like, show the tournament. Yeah. That's the game. Yeah, I have, to, I have to echo your feelings about it as well. The tournament thing was a shock to me. I was like, uh, what are we doing here? Because this, if, if the film feels like a sports film in that Coach uh, Coach Raiden versus Coach Shun Sang uh, and their teams going up against each other in random battles throughout this area of Earthworld, but no actual tournament. And I wonder if maybe in their minds they thought, oh, we'll give them a taste of the world. They're going to enjoy these characters and we'll build to the tournament in the second movie. That is not how this works. You've got to show the tournament. you got to have fun. But even if they didn't have the tournament, let me just – and I said this in my review – even if they didn't have the tournament, they could have earned it by having great scenes, really good interactions, some well-written dialogue, some really interesting characters with nuance and complexity. And I know it's Mortal Kombat, but listen, I, and what Michael Vogel brought up, I think is an interesting point, and I'm going to push back on what people have been saying that Michael pointed out. Oh, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. I was on that set. I talked to those producers. I talked to the people involved in the production, the actors. They all said, we love the 1995 film, but we also understand it's a kitschy film. It's a guilty movie pleasure. We want to make a damn good movie. 
We want to make a movie that's going to break that uh, stigma of the video game movie. They wanted to make a damn good movie that wasn't just, hey, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. They really wanted to make something that they could be proud of and that could be great and appeal to people across the board, which is why Cole Young is in the movie, because they want to get people who have no concept of the Mortal Kombat universe into the seats or, or on the clicks to watch. And, and he's essentially the audience. But they just completely fumbled the ball. A lot of the storylines, a lot of those interactions, throwing in the lines from the movie. I was like, oh, sorry, from the video game. I was like, oh, my God. It just <laughs> felt like it wasn't earned. And the gore was random rather than um, uh, organic within the movie. So it just was a little disappointing. The fight sequences, absolutely. Hiroyuki Sonata, incredible as Scorpion. Him and Sub-Zero, great fights. But overall, just didn't hit the mark for me, Michael. Well, but along those lines, though, too, uh, to Shannon's point, so you don't, you know, you don't actually make it to the tournament. Yeah. But you also get to this point in the movie where, after, uh, where, where they kind of go to that weird white void space, like the Dumbledore Hogwarts uh, yeah. train station from Deathly Hallows, and they're all kind of standing there, and then Cole Young is like, "Well, let's all go fight them. Let's, you know, we're all going to go fight them one on one." But then, in a movie that's Mortal Kombat, where you have like your good guys and your bad guys, and you're going to have them each face off against one of the others in this ultimate third act battle, yeah. like it's Mortal Kombat. Like I want each one of these battles to be like a huge set piece, not. A montage that's sort of cut together yeah. where they all beat them really relatively easily. Like the end battle with Sub Zero and Scorpion, great. Like really yeah. cool. Seeing those two actors, like that, like it was awesome. Like that was a really great, the whole Sub Zero set piece at the very end, uh, I thought was pretty well done. But leading up to that, you've built up all of these, like, you know, it's Mortal Kombat. Like I'm yeah. assuming that even if we're not going to get to the tournament, I want to see these two fight here. I want to see these two fight here. And I want to build some character stuff that makes me care which they kind of tried to do with Kano versus Sonya Blade, but like yeah. it just, it felt like they rushed through the fighting, which is kind of like a part of what you really do want to see aside from the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight at the end. Right, right, right. Yeah, and you know, I think the the idea that uh, Shang Tsung is trying to take out Earth's champions before they even have a chance to get there to the tournament, I'm kind of like, okay, I see the logic in that, but I think you can get to the tournament, and as they're not fighting in the tournament, you can ha you can still have that where they're they're yeah. trying to take out they're trying to take out Kung Lao, they're trying to take out whomever before they can actually fight in the tournament. I think that just makes it for that makes it just a more interesting and a more satisfying story. Um, the guy, and also the, I, I can't remember the actor's name who played Kung Lao. I love that guy. Like his, his flawless <laughs> victory. I, the, the lines from the game didn't bother me as much. Okay. I was like, Oh, that's fun. Especially Kano's. I mean, oh, well, Kano's he, were great. Yeah, Kano's true. was all kind of wins. Um, I, Vogel and I were texting about this. And, um, when I worked in Japan at universal, um, the Waterworld stunt show was performed by a lot of Australian guys. Mm. And so watching, watching Kano, I'm like, oh my God, it's like I'm back in Japan like 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like, that is so much Aussie right there. I mean, it's, it was so, so much fun. Um, and I was not sold on uh, the actor who played Hogan in the Thor movies who played Ray. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted him and uh, Chin Han to switch roles. Oh, okay. Uh, I I, th I thought Chin Han would have been a better Raiden, and uh, uh, and I thought the other the uh, Hogan actor would have would have made a better uh, Shang Tsung. Okay, all right. Uh, and I do well. I also think that it 
having like you know been an executive for so long and had lots of people pitch me their epic world building ideas like you know working at hasbro everyone's going to pitch you like their take on transformers or whatever there are certain things that like young writers do uh that like we're all over like like i like i've gotten to the point where like if anybody says the words prophecy i like roll my eyes like you got to sell me hard <laughs> because a lot of times a prophecy is used from a story standpoint to just set up a thing <laughs> that the blood the blood of hanso will come and you're like oh, okay whatever fine without giving you actual like emotional yeah. character reasons but like there was that but like i was kind of like just struggling throughout the movie to kind of understand like <laughs> they so like Jackson Sonia find Cole and take him to Sonia's trailer park where she's like I've been hunting down all of this research for years and I don't have a mark but I want a mark and I'm like but like you don't even know what the mark is so why do you want it so bad yeah and like then Kano's like yeah I'll take you and they go to this place and then like Liu Kang is like finally you're here and then Raiden's like we only have one less than one moon before the chant tournament and I'm like well, you bitches should have been looking for those champions. Like, what would have happened had they not come to you? Like, there was like, we need you, but we weren't looking for you. And we didn't know you were looking for us, but we were looking for you. And like, there was just a bunch of, it was like a hodgepodge of yeah. things that you would see in like an epic adventure fantasy movie. There was a prophecy. Well, we're looking for this because we have all this research on our wall. The lizard tried to kill us, so let's go. Well, we've been waiting for you, but we weren't looking for you. And, I, and then the bad guys just keep showing up in a cloud and we're like, well, we're going to kill you now and you're like not when we have this force field and i was like oh my god it reminded me of like andy playing with the toys at the beginning of toy story it was just like <laughs> things happening well and like um, the, the, the luke kang part as well Vogel, just real quick um like one i thought luda lynn did a great job like i was yeah, just like man sure. you are a fantastic luke kang and i love i love the art the Ar arcana arcana uh like it's basically the, their inner power that yeah. they unlock i'm like that that was a great like as far I as agree. i know that you're was chi, you for like the movie chi. yeah yeah yeah, I'm like, that's something new they constructed. I'm like, and that is super smart. But the moment they roll up on Raiden's temple and he's like, well, I've I've been looking for the champions. Like, well, three of them just got here <laughs> after, after you brought Jax back to the temple. So right. uh, there, there's a great scene, the dinner, the dinner scene, yeah. um, which, which, you know, I guess we're already spoiling the movie. But, I just, but the, the dinner scene with uh, uh, Ludi Lin and the actor that plays Kung Lao so much fun like there's so much good stuff in it like i went in with pretty low expectations and so i was not as as uh 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 i don't think vogel is enraged but i i was not quite as disappointed as vogel was i went in with very low expectations i S silly movie but i was like ah that was fine i wouldn't even say i'm disappointed and i will say that like i had a blast watching it like mm. i i think the movie was ridiculous and i think i have all the issues that i have with it but uh, I, I didn't get mad the way that I get about, like, say, Batman versus Superman or Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Like, those movies actively make me mad. This, we were all, like, laughing through the entire movie. And I think that if you go, like, to the people that are like, this was just a really fun video game movie and you had a great time, like, I am on board with you. Like, if you had a blast watching this and you were like, I love Mortal Kombat and I watched this and I saw some cool fights and I was down, good, great. I'm glad you liked it. I think for me... Uh, and like, you know, Roka and I argue sometimes about the Michael Bay Transformers movies or with any of these things, like having like worked at Hasbro and having worked on a lot of the brands that I've worked on, I think a lot of times there's a brand that people can always dismiss as silly and you strive to like, let's really show everybody what's really going on here. And I think 
that there is a great Mortal Kombat movie out there. I think that there's a movie that has everything any fan of the video game would want to see that also someone who's never played Mortal Kombat would watch and go, fuck, I am super invested in this. And I don't think this movie was that. I had a blast. I I agree with Shannon and and, and Roka. I think a lot of the performances were great. I think not all of them, but I think a lot of the actors there were like bringing their best game that they could to the material. Mm -hmm. I just really think that there's a better Mortal Kombat movie out there somewhere that we could get one day. Yeah, and that's a fair point. I mean, uh, Simon McCoy is making his directorial debut. Uh, uh, Greg Russo hasn't written much himself, but Dave Callahan had written some stuff, uh, as we state, as I stated, I think, earlier, Wonder Woman 84, Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Um, uh, he's got he's part of the writing team for Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. He's part of the writing team for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So these you would expect something to carry a little more weight. Yes, he did Wonder Woman 84 as well. So you've got you can go a number of ways on this, but like you expected something a little bit more. And I wonder if there was a longer script. Remember, this is an hour and 50 minutes. And a lot of fans, when it, when it was released, that that was the runtime, were super pissed. Because they know that's 15 minutes of credits for the special effects they're going to do. 10 to 15 minutes of credit. And damn if it wasn't. About an hour and 40 minutes is really how long the film actually is. And so you're like, that's nowhere near enough time to really present this world, flesh out these characters, have them interact in a way that's that's possible. And let's be real. I mean, they didn't cast top-level actors. They cast actors that are either still building or actors who can do a certain thing. You know, Louis Tan is still building... But Makad Brooks, the enjoyment super goal, you're not going to get much more from Makad Brooks. No offense to him. Jessica McNamee, not that well known as a name, certainly done projects in Australia and the U.S. Yeah, it's it's Kano who stands out. That's the surprise, as San, as Shannon stated, because actually in that in the video game, Kano's kind of boring in the video game. He doesn't have much personality. So to have him give him that kind of personality was great. But you cast people like Joe Taslam because that's an international appeal. He was in the Raid movies. So it's an international appeal. Hiroka Sonata as well, international appeal. But I think they could have done a little bit more to bring people of a little bit higher quality in terms of talent and name to bring these characters to life. Hire a director who's got experience shepherding these kinds of franchises uh, in a positive direction. Bring in writers who have an experience. Although you did have Callahan, he had experience with the franchise. But just bring in people who are going to deliver you a better overall film doesn't mean there aren't scenes to enjoy. Certainly that final fight scene is fantastic, but like it doesn't have the weight that it should have because everything that builds up to it is like, oh, okay, you know, you're not, you're not living and dying by what's happening. And people die in this movie. It just doesn't have the, the weight or the effect you're hoping for. But yes, the Shang-Chi, I mean, sorry, the Chi, uh, the Arcana, which is essentially your Chi, that was cool. Yeah, and I think that, think I, I, agree, I agree with Shannon. I thought that was a really good idea. Like, I thought that was a smart yeah. way to kind of get to those powers. Yeah. What did you think about the rings thing? Did it feel like uh, 10 rings a little bit when she was using it? Did you guys see that in your minds when you were watching it or no? Because, I mean, when, when, when uh, Sonya Blade, Sonya Blade Son- she has oh, the, the rings the- on her... Yeah. No, no, okay. I didn't, I didn't think that at all. I mean, that was one thing with the Arcana that was sort of like... I, I think if, if I were looking at the movie under a more harsh microscope... Uh, it was like, I love the Ar- the Arcana with the fire. I love the Arcana with the hat. I love the yeah. Arcana with the ice um, or, or the lightning. No, that was raining. Anyways, um, the, the, the more mech side where it's like, you know, Jax gets his new arms. Yeah. Uh, Kano gets the eye laser. It's kind of like, well, okay, like that's that's fine. Right. Um, 
Sonia's thing, like, no, I definitely didn't get a a, a ten rings okay. vibe there's, from there's, it. There are five bracelets on each side, I think. So in my mind, I was like, oh. But also with them, Cad Brooks thing is one last thing. You know, kind of one more thing to throw in here. You get him right out the beginning, and then you sideline him for almost the entire movie until the end. So it's a little weird to have him to have one of your main characters be out on a bed recovering from him as an arms frozen off for a majority of the movie. Well, so. And I think that like, and to give like to give a little bit of credit here, like I think no. they set up some interesting ideas that they just didn't fully execute. Like yeah. with his character, with Jackson Sonia, like clearly they had been uh, in the service together. They have a right. history together. Right, uh, right. And I kind of was wondering like where you know where wherever he got his mark and she didn't get a mark and this this thing that she was kind of obsessed with it. Like like I said, like it didn't really make a lot of sense in the way that it was yeah. executed, but there's good ideas there. And there's a, there's a, there's one scene between the two of them, like when he first wakes up in the temple, mm. but that's kind of all there is. But I felt like there, there was more to, they presented some things that were not bad ideas. Yeah. And so I, I guess I can give them that, like whether it's the backstory with Scorpion and Sub-Zero, like all there's, there was a lot of ideas in here that were decent ideas, yeah. but just in the execution, they got tripped up in details that made things like cease to make sense and things weren't tracking. And I think had they gone back and focused on some of that character stuff that would have given him more to do in the middle of the movie, that would have yeah. given him maybe more of a role before he figured things out and got his big arms and everything. Like, I think that there might've been... Uh, a lot more to explore with the characters that would have made it more interesting for people yeah. who weren't satisfied with what they got. Also, he fought Sub Zero and had his arms ripped off. He still got to prove that he's uh, can fight, uh, that he deserves to have bigger arms. It just seemed like a weird logic thing for my. I was like, I was like why did you build him those little arms? <laughs> yeah, build him some bigger arms. Did you did you run out of metal? <laughs> There's a lot. I, the reason we were laughing so hard, having such like there was a lot of me leaning over and just asking questions, or people leaning like somebody leaned over to me at the beginning. They're like, "So, so why did they chain Kano up? What were they planning to do with him? Yeah. Like, you have exactly. this big reveal that he's like chained up, and he's like, I gotta pee again, and you're like, How long have you had him there? And what?" What was your plan? Where right. were you going with that? Right. We're going to take that thing and put it on yourself. We're going to take that mark and put it on yourself. Skin graft it. Anyway, all right. That's our overall thoughts on Mortal Kombat uh, and the show for today. Thank you all so much for watching. It is out now, so let us know what you thought. Are we way off base? Did you love it? We're a bunch of, uh, uh, I don't know, we're pissing in your Cheerios? Let us know in the uh, in the comments section below and let us know what you think about everything else. Um, uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell you? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey? Uh, hey, if you love Mortal Kombat, we love you. If you didn't love Mortal Kombat, we love you. We love everybody here, and we would love to hear your thoughts on this, and we'd love to hear what you thought of the movie. Uh, and uh, if you would like to help us continue to talk about all of these things, love them or hate them, here's some things that you can do for us. Uh, smash that like button below. Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page. There's a ton of great content, uh, not just from the Geek Buddies, but from all of the amazing shows that the Outlaw over here does. Uh, definitely leave comments, like we said. If you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us some stars, leave us some ratings, leave us some comments there. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this, share this with your friends, send it off to everybody you know, and say to join in on all of the awesome Geek Buddy fun. 
Hey, oh, there you go. All right. Well, that's it from us. Thank you all so much. Hope you're getting vaccinated. Remember to wear your mask and practice social distancing and come back and see us next week for another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.